fucking thing in the world in the office today. Really? And, yeah. Joe, there's two urinals in the office toilets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them has like a big piece of like police tape over it saying, do not use urinal, maintain social distancing. <laughs> and I keep finding myself thinking, that is the most pointless thing. Like, there has never been a situation where a man has seen one urinal free next to another man and gone, I better get in there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's the one time where men will social distance without being told. The weirdest is when you have it where, I've had it before where I like go to the furthest urinal, there's like four or five in a row. And then one guy walks in and stands right next to you. And you're like, yeah. oh, no, what? Uh. That is the weirdest. Like, I don't know why people do that. No. But like, the one time you'll get weird men social distancing is then. Because mm-hmm. uh, I had uh, experienced this briefly uh, over the weekend. I was to go for a walk. Because, yeah, we can go for walks now. We can go out. We can form social bubbles. Yeah, we so can, I'm, yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a walk. My mate drove us to um, Derwent, I think it is. It's like a big dam. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Right, so basically, it's in the middle of the peaks. There's nothing around for miles. We'll go for a walk. We'll walk his dog. And we were going around. I'm going to find the picture. I'm not sure if I sent it to the group or not. But I've got a picture on my phone. We actually, we've got webcams now, so we can see. Yeah, we've actually, like, bothered to video call each other, which is weird. Okay, pro, can you, can you see this? Yeah. <laughs> right, do you want to just describe it to the audience at home? Uh, so it's just a picture of, like, Boris Johnson with a bright blue face mask, and it says... Don't let them muzzle you. Keepbritainfree.com. Yeah, and that was just on a big sign in the middle of the woods. Oh, God. Like, right in the middle of the woods. Like, there's no one around for miles, but it was like a public display sign. of like, oh, information for local residents. So that's next to, like, um, old shit from last year before Corona. So yeah. Like, oh, yeah, Village Fate. Um, so-and-so is giving away a sofa and then in a massive thing like, don't let Britain get muzzled and then oh, just sake. off to the side of it below um, like just a little thing about yeah uh, we're going to be giving away balloons at the park <laughs> is 5G is going to kill everyone oh no my friend looked at that one this is the most stupid fucking sign ever not only because it's like completely um bollocks yeah but you don't get any signal in this part of the country <laughs> so this is the what if they think 5g is going to kill them this is the one place they're safe from it why do they need to warn you oh my god i remember when um you know last year late last mm. year when everything was not locked down you know pre-apocalypse basically and i walked into my staff room one day and somebody like one of the staff members had just posted 5G, like anti 5G propaganda all over the staff room walls. And it was like, oh, what is this? It's like, 5G is going to kill you. You're basically microwaving your insides. So I was like, for fuck's sake. Oh, man. The, the one thing I like about 5G is that it's not, uh, it can, it's not powerful enough to penetrate your skin. If you hold it next, <laughs> if you hold your phone next to it, you can't do that. Yeah. Which the sun can do. Yeah. So if you're scared of the radiation, you should be scared of the sun. And I guarantee you that the same kind of. Let's be honest, it's men. It's weird, just men who like conspiracy theories because mm. they like an excuse to yell at people. And the same, they would not wear sunscreen because it's gay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what happened is I got to go to a pub, which is a very weird experience. In oh, you the, went to one like since one opened again? In 2020, yes, because we were in oh. the middle of the woods. So it's like a little village pub. Yeah. And this yeah. little village pub has got some like corona social distancing measures in. Um, including like you've got to go away in the waiting area, the Rona area. Oh, it's like you're just surrounded on all sides by um, 
bottles of hand sanitizer and wipes. It's like wipe down everything before someone yeah. in a mask and a face shield comes in and opens a sliding door to let usher you in. And they okay. sat us at a table in a specific part of the restaurant. And went, you order from here, do not go to the bar, order using this app and fill in this form that tells the government where you're from. Yeah. In case, yeah, yeah. like, so they can track and trace. And if there's ever another outbreak, they'll better let you know. And we do all that and we order the pint and we sat down. And I, I guess this is nice. And then you look around and everyone else is there. Also, and they're like, I, I also guess this is kind of nice. Yeah. But everyone's super nervous. And it was a really strange experience. Yeah, I um, went back into Nando's for the first time since like everything had been reopened. Um, I did it yesterday, and like all of the tables have been like, well, half the tables are like straight up just missing, and there's loads of like shields in place and um, things separating all the tables and markers on the floor, and it's like, yeah, there's nothing on tables anymore. Like you don't go self serve. You order everything via app and pay via app and all this and that. It's like even on the front of the door, you can't queue anymore. No. You have to scan like a QR code and it tells you when to come back for your table. And you're not allowed to like wait near the restaurant or anything. I was like, this feels a way more futuristic and more useful mm-hmm. as someone who worked there. But it's so strange how th- like quickly things have changed. It's almost like um, companies are able to move quickly on things like this when it affects their bottom line. Yeah. This is the best thing. Like The entire service industry has managed to automate in the space of three months, despite resisting that exact thing for over 10 years. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but it would be so hard to put in place. And then the moment, yeah. Oh, you have to reopen with these things in place. Oh, okay, cool, done. Instantly, yeah. Oh, um, we need, like, tables need to be wiped down every, like, 30 minutes. Like, they should have been doing that anyway. (laughs) That's the one that got me. But it was a very strange experience. And the reason it was kind of amusing is because we went in you're not, obviously, you're not wearing a mask you're having a, you're having a drink yeah yeah and they cl- everything is sterilized as you go in but as we're leaving we go there's an area where you can put your mask back on if you want us to do that and we leave and we go outside i shit you not a guy in a white van goes past and cat calls like take your mask off oh, and i looked and went i hope he's having a good day i wonder what that man is doing right now yeah because he's not even that he's just mad that other people <sighs> Are wearing a mask and i'm very concerned for what that guy's life is like i think yeah the fact that someone's wearing a mask should be the least of his fucking issues right now and what was really funny because i was talking about with my friend like on the drive home we're, we're doing it we're both wearing masks i don't know why we work so we've spent all day walking together but i just think it feels like just more uh, like to normalize it to wear one all the time but when we're going back hmm. like, my favorite thing is i guarantee you all like we were discussing like the conspiracy theories just posted all over that notice board. Yeah. Guarantee you go back six months and you ask those people, is the government trying to track you? Like, yeah, government's trying to track your facial recognition <laughs> is a nightmare. Don't take my photo. I don't post on Facebook. Fast forward six months. And the one thing, like, do you think the one thing people like that would want is a widespread acceptance and normalization of covering your face in public. Yeah. And now they don't like that. And, I would now, like, I'd like to think I've got some kind of a reach. I'd hope I do. I'm yeah, you sure definitely how big do. It is. Like. But uh, for the people within the sound of my voice who are able to make something, there's a very specific thing I want to be made, but I lack the skills to do it. And it is a counter-counter-conspiracy theory. And it's, uh, I want to try, and, like, so this is my idea, of start a conspiracy theory that anti-maskers, because that's what they call themselves, <laughs> yeah. um, are actually government plants. 
to try and dissuade people from wearing masks to help the um, video uh, video and facial recognition software become more prevalent. <laughs> and the reason that I lacked the skills to spread this conspiracy theory is because I couldn't make an image shitty enough. Because I don't know how you do that. Because <laughs> there's a very specific look to those images and memes that you see shared around from yeah. these weirdos. And it's a specific kind of like JPEG artifacting. Yeah, and it's kind of like they've managed to get back onto like Windows XP and use clip art for everything. Yes, and there's a very specific thing you can tell that because they the people who are sharing these things don't really understand computers that much. Mm-hmm. So like, they're not only functionally illiterate in real life and scientifically illiterate, they're also computer illiterate. Why not? Yeah. Complete the trifecta. And they're just copy-pasting a JPEG over and over again. Mm. And by the time we see it, when it like, you know gets out of the insular community it's evidently being shared in it's been copy pasted so many times it has that really weird artifact into it when i don't know how to replicate that without just keep make saving the image over and over and over again yeah and just like doing it a thousand times so it's just got all that weird i'd say artifacting all over it like so it looks sufficiently shit enough to be like like passable as something one of those idiots would make and then i wanted to see that on facebook like you oh need like a, a generic stock image of someone wearing a mask, and it needs to be artifacted all to shit, and that's just written over the top of it. The government has got people planted telling you not to wear a mask, so they can track you with facial ID software. <laughs> Get that out there. It's the only way. Because that's the only thing that sounds so stupid that those kind of conspiracy theorists would believe it. Yeah. Because you can't you, tell them. Yeah, you can't be sensible and just be like, Oh, you know, it's something basic. It's got to be something that's that fucking stupid. Yeah, and the way I've heard it put is um, I, their minds are wired in such a way where it's the, like Occam's razor does not apply. Like, well, The simplest solution is usually the correct one. It's like, yeah. why are they telling us to wear masks? Because they don't want you to cough on everything and it saves <laughs> lives. And they can't think, well, no, it can't be that. There has to be something deeper to it. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a conspiracy theory. So if they want to believe that, we need to create a other a counter conspiracy theory to counter the bad one. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of um, a famous, like not famous, but it was a viral tweet about like a doctor. Hmm. And they just got started and um, they were shadowing a more experienced doctor. And uh, a lady comes in and like he's checking up and he goes, oh, uh, your son there, What's how old is he? He's like six or seven. He's like, Has he had any vaccinations? And the lady goes, I don't believe in vaccinations. And like the younger doctor's like, oh, for fuck's sake. And he sees, though, the older doctor just very patiently listens with like, the eyes of a seasoned medical expert. Yeah. And after she finishes her spiel about the government using them to like, murder the populace and all that bollocks, he just, the doctor just says out loud, um, have you ever thought, madam, that those conspiracy theories you're talking about might have been spread by rival governments to weaken the immune system of that populace? And you can, and he says, like, the guy runs like, you can see the lady in her head trying to work out which conspiracy theory is more believable. And she goes, I never thought of it like that. And then by the end of the conversation, the doctors encouraged her to like, you know, get her son vaccinated to protect him from Russia. And he's like, oh, God. He's like, you can argue that's not ethical, but at the same time, fuck it. Like, yeah, I think you've got to fight their fight. You can't try and talk to them in a, a reasonable way. Well, it's the old famous quote, isn't it, of never try and argue with an idiot. Because yeah. they drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. Because I just... saw um, something that was posted around, I think it might have been Reddit or something, and it was someone genuinely making an argument of, 
look, it would be really easy if we got a small amount of COVID and gave it to everybody. And it was like an anti-vaxxer going that. What about if we gave everyone a little bit of COVID so they could learn to fight against it without yeah. like having too many problems and then we'd all get an immunity to it. It's like, do you mean a vaccine? vaccine? (laughs) No, no, vaccines don't work. The best one that I've seen is, um, it was in a thread about the rising health costs in America. So that could have been from any point from now for going back 40 years. And it was in response to all the big GoFundMes. I don't get it because people can pay their bills with GoFundMes. Why don't we all as a country all pay into one big GoFundMe and then take money from it when we need it? Because you mean like a health service? It's like, they're, they're so close to getting it just right. Yeah. And it's just like, if you just change the wording a little bit, but if you told them, like, yeah, we're going to do that. So you went on to like the stages, like potential president says, what we're going to do is we're not going to, we're not going to do Obamacare anymore. We're not no taxes, nothing like no that. No taxes. Yeah. But what they're going to have is a universal GoFundMe for everybody. <laughs> People have fall for it because it's different. So enough. many would, yeah. And that's the sad thing. In fact, when you th- like, it sounds stupid, but you know there are people out there who fall for it. Unfortunately, like the people who would see through it are probably the people who have already argued for universal healthcare anyway. And they'd be like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what it's called as long as we just get it. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's worth having the people who argued against it act smug that yeah. they got their way. Like, much in the same way with a child of like, eat your vegetables. No. Okay, eat half your vegetables and then eat half the vegetables. And like, Ugh. and what they don't realize is the parent puts twice as much vegetables on their plate. Yeah. Because they yeah, know yeah. the kid's going to argue and only eat half, and the kid thinks they've got their way, and the parent doesn't give a shit because the kid ate their vegetables. Well, it's that weird thing going on with COVID right now of I'm telling my family, you know, we've got to make sure we're not seeing each other all in one big group yet because it's not safe. And I've had a lot of conversations like more extreme than that of just why, you know, masks matter and why lockdown matters and stuff like that. And it's like the one time where I really want to be, I guess, proven wrong because me saying that this is really serious and fucking up the world, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. is like, well, I hope that doesn't become true. I don't want to be proven right that this is going to fucking end the world. Yeah, but at the same time, I I would be okay with those smug people. It's not a big deal getting to have that moment Yeah, if it means I can go back and see my parents. Yeah, exactly. It's like I'd suck up being told, oh, you were fucking wrong and COVID wasn't a big deal. I'd be like, oh, okay, but at, at least I can go see friends now. Yeah, because um, there's a film about, I think I talked about it a couple of weeks ago, like Contagion or something like that, where they, it basically, it's the one that went viral, ironically, during the initial outbreak, because the plot of the film mirrors what happened with COVID. Yeah. And during that film, you have a bit where there's a guy on stage arguing with someone like that of, how can you justify spending all these government resources on this when it's not a big issue yet? And the guy, he just looks, <laughs> he's Lawrence Fishburne, he's like Morpheus, he's just telling him off. He goes, look, I would rather be on the news in a year being criticised for acting too quickly and too aggressively to this than be yeah. on the news in a year being forced to answer why I didn't act quick enough and everyone's dead. And, uh, so I'm, a, I'm a medical professional. Like you have to, like, you can't be lax when it comes to this kind of shit. Oddly on point for yeah, what exactly what's happening now of people being like, look, 
like the US and the UK and some other governments need to be fucking held accountable for the thousands and thousands of deaths when other countries have avoided it because they were really fucking aggressive. And they were very serious about it. It's mm-hmm. like, oh no, they shut down their economy. Because <laughs> that's the one that's got me. It's great. Like, <laughs> like we were discussing yesterday, weren't we? Yeah. Where it's, yeah, um, they're just reopening the economy back up, but simultaneously telling people not to go out. Yeah. Like they're telling people not to go out, but also you need to bring the high street back where there's uh, what is it, the proposed online tax. Oh, yeah, apparently so. Where... We need to revitalise the British high street by taxing online sales to encourage people to go out while simultaneously not enforcing like mandatory social distancing and mask wearing. So it's like, go out and risk your life for the economy. It's like, I'll part your bollocks. And then um, when you find out that, oh, there's a government mandate in place now to make sure you're wearing masks if you go into shops or anything, like to try and make it a bit safer if people do go out. Has it been enforced by anyone? No. No. Well, why is it... You can't just say something is a mandate or a law and then not enforce it. Like, that's not a law then. It's really good. It's, like, it's almost like they want us to die. Almost as if. Almost. It's so rough. I'm, I was so sad. But Carl, it's all the care home's fault. Yeah. Uh, that I was, did, that I... was one of the worst fucking ones for me. What was that? I didn't know this one. Oh, uh, Boris Johnson just came out and said, like, we need to hold um, care homes accountable for their poor handling of this situation. <laughs> He's the prime and minister. And it's like, for fuck's sake. He's the prime minister. He's, if anyone's fault, he's like, the book stops here. Yeah. Like, that image gets more and more alien every day. And I forget which president it was. I think it was like Dwight Eisenhower or something. Okay. Where he campaigned on the, it's the book stops here. It's where the phrase comes from. Like, it's where it's mm-hmm. popularized at least. And he had it on his desk. And he's like, I'm the fucking president. Prob- when problems happen in America, it's my fault. Yeah. The book stops. I'm just going to stop shifting the blame to everyone else I'm going to take responsibility and sort this shit out and you fast forward like 60 50 years you've got the president going on TV do you take responsibility for any of the deaths as a result of your government's actions I take no responsibility whatsoever yeah and you've literally got him four to eight years ago sending out many many tweets going Obama needs to be held responsible for this matter and then when he's fucked up harder it's like no 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 I don't take responsibility and then uh, the one that got me, I thought, like, the absolute bants of this one, um, Boris Johnson on the news, yeah, the government could have acted a bit faster in regards to COVID-19. It's like, what the fuck are you saying that for now? You were the prime minister. Who do you think was in charge? Yeah. But the one that got me was, like, during the last election, and mm. I could not believe, so I thought it was a joke when someone told me that the Tories were campaigning with the slogan, it's time for change, <laughs> when they've been in power for 10 years. Like, I thought that was, I thought it was a joke. It's like it's time for change. Britain needs a change. It's like, you've been in power for ten years. Yeah, you're essentially calling for change from your own schemes. Like what? It's like, oh, the absolute bants of that like campaign. You have got to respect it. I'm I'm mystified by that. Yeah, I I genuinely was so shocked when I heard someone tell me that was what they were running with for the campaign. Yeah. It's time for change. It's like you're, you've been in charge the entire time. Like you could have changed at any point. Yeah. Like at any point you could have changed this. And I'm gonna, oh god, I'm gonna try and find that other picture that I got now because I save because I, I know I know don't want to talk too much about the Rona because it's fuck's yeah. sake. It's been going on for ages. And, it has been. But I did think that was quite funny. That image, just of um, uh, don't be muzzled by the government. It's like you're in the middle of the fucking woods. This is the one place you don't have to wear a mask. 
Because yeah. you're in the middle of the fucking woods and there's no one else around. And 5G, you get no phone signal here. Why is this here? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, you recently, if I remember correctly, you played Ghost of Tishuma. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, well, I've got a headline here that's 100% real that I saw and was so amazed by, I wanted to discuss it on the podcast. Okay. And, it's, um, it goes hand in hand with something I've been complaining about for a year at this point. Hmm. And this is a tweet from Comic Book Resources, or at CBR, fairly big, popular website. And yeah, it is yeah. a, I, I shit you not, Ghost of Tsushima's plot is incredible, but it's basically the Lone Ranger. <laughs> Uh, oh. I just describe Ghost of Tsushima um, uh, for people who may not know. I mean, I I'm only a couple of hours in, but essentially the like the the outline is um, you are a samurai set in like the Mongol invasion of Japan mm-hmm. um, in Tsushima, and essentially you are part of a big battle. The samurais almost all get wiped out. And you're like the last samurai left to try and recruit other people and um, overthrow the Mongol invasion, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's a fairly, and rescue your uncle and yeah, some of them. A fairly standard, tropey samurai film. Yeah. But yeah. specifically, we're talking about samurai film plot because people don't know this. I'm guessing like this, the guy who wrote this article clearly didn't. Um, every single Western is either a direct rip-off of or a homage to samurai film, like Kurosawa yeah. film. That's what Ghost of Tsushima is very obviously um, trying to reference. I mean, it to literally the... has a Kurosawa mode yeah. in the game, yeah. To the point where the film, um, I believe, what's it called now? I'm going to double-check what the name of the film is now, but it's a famous Kurosawa film, Seven Samurai. So seven Samurai. Uh, yeah, I believe so. We've got seven, yep, the seven samurai. Da, 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 da. But there's another film, which I find out now. There it is. So, right, this is like one of my um, favorite little facts. This is a Kurosawa film, Seven Samurai. Um, mm-hmm. Probably one of the most famous um, samurai films ever made. It's certainly one I've heard the most about, I'd say. Mm hmm. I'm just going to find the other one. Do, 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 do. And there is, right? So there's another film. Um, Called like, this is an, and there's an American. Let me try, try again. I need to get my words all right. Okay. So Seven Samurai is about a titular Seven Samurai mm-hmm. who are all they all go into a village and they protect the village from a fight. Uh, there is a another film uh, released in the 1960s. So roughly, just going to double check the date this one was released. Uh, six years after Seven Samurai, called The Magnificent Seven. Yeah. Which is about seven cowboys. Yeah. Who go into a village or a town and protect it from an invasion. And this film, I shit you not, um, they tried to argue that it was an original idea. Really? Yes. They didn't they, just they, openly they, admit that it was like a homage to Seven Samurai. Uh, they tried um, to get the rights to remake Seven Samurai. <laughs> um. But they couldn't get them, so they just made this one. Original idea. Mm-hmm. And like, it's one of those oh. things where they, like, they got sued, and then it was settled out of court. But yeah, I, yeah, like, and then you think Magnificent Seven is one of, like it's the atypical um, Western cowboy movie, and every Western movie references it or like rips something off from it. But yeah, yeah, like 
there is a direct parallel between cowboy movies and every western ever made and the samurai films yeah um, whether or not they would like to admit so or not and just that one of oh it rips off the lone ranger oh really that show about a a lone warrior uh, fighting against the hordes of evil. I wonder who they. I wonder where that idea originally came from. Yeah. Fucking samurai films. God. And like, oh, why man. this gets me? Because I, you've probably heard me just lament and complain about the fact that media literacy is so fucking poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in the world of journalism, of games journalism and reviewing, and it pisses me off some at Chronic. I don't just think it is um, games journalism, but it's certainly prevalent in that medium, yeah. Yeah, where people, they're just so... I don't want to use the word stupid, but when you're writing a headline like the Ghost of Tsushima is ripping off the Lone Ranger, it's like, no, it's referencing samurai films, you fucking moron. Like, there's no other response. And it's so dumb. The thing is, as well, I just... Because um, I wasn't sure whether you were making that point when like you said it, or just the fact that, oh, well, it's so dumb that every single game nowadays has like that article of well this game is basically this game or this film and it's like you're boiling down an entire like massive game that's had years spent on it to well there's one similar plot point to this thing and the connective tissue of the thread like every there's no original ideas anymore no and you can always make some small comparison to something that has occurred in the past at this point yeah yeah and like that is true of everything, but that's another one of just like boiling things down to like the, the simple base components, yeah, and then refusing to discuss or even acknowledge like, the extra layers of nuance that's added to it, just so you can have that searing hot nuclear take of it's just the Lone Ranger. It's like, but the Lone Ranger was just a rip off of like some fucking <laughs> yeah. old samurai film. Like it probably like it's so it's so. And especially when the developers have spent so long saying, like, look, we're inspired by, like, Kurosawa and old samurai films. Like, do you not make that one extra step to think, maybe let's look at what inspired the Lone Ranger when they're having that discussion? Yeah. Because, like, your only point of reference, the only lens at which you can look through this is Western stuff. It's like, but it's not a Western game. (laughs) It's like, it's the most Asian game ever made. Even though it was so made stupid. by Western developers, but yeah. But it's one of these, the most like lovingly crafted. Like, it's a love letter to that genre. It is, it's yeah. Like, no, but it's basically a Western movie. But an, an entire genre of film that is that piggybacked off the success of yeah. um, samurai films and just ripped them the fuck off because they think, oh, well, the Japanese aren't going to sue us. And then they did. It's like, oh, God, now. Well, that's kind of um, thinking across a lot of parts of the world, isn't it? Of like, there's a lot of um, like Asian markets where it's basically, oh, we made a Western product or like very, very similar thing, but we're not going to get copyright struck because like the laws over here are a lot more lax and things like that. And yeah. maybe people just won't see it. They won't. Yeah. It's a different market. Well, that's literally how Hollywood got started, where the mm. reason that Hollywood is in Hollywood is because it was the furthest point on the map away from where Thomas Edison lived. So he couldn't sue them for using his new film technology because he wanted to have like a trademark on it all and he sued anyone using film. So all the filmmakers just went all the way across the map. There's lots of them out where's the furthest point away. All right, LA, Hollywood, let's go there. Yeah. So like basically back in the day, there's no way you can get all the way across and fight. And like 
when news of it reaches him, they've already made the film and released it and made their money. Oh, so, God. Like, Hollywood literally exists so they could rip somebody off. <laughs> so they didn't have to pay like royalties to someone who probably deserved them because he invented the thing they were making the films on. It's like, I mean, oh, yeah. God. Never, that, right, that so Hollywood, sound like it. Hollywood has always just been theft. It's, it's built off the back of theft. Yeah, and then for them to turn around and go, well... Uh, you know, the theft that we made inspired this new game. It's like, no, no, they stole it from fucking Japanese films. Like, God damn it. Yeah, or at the very least, it owes its existence to the success of those. Yeah, at the very least, yeah. The tone that they would establish. It just it annoys me when I see stuff like that. And um, we've talked before about how just game reviewers specifically seem really, really bad at just their job. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, if not only just like understanding that the nuance of the medium they're supposedly an expert in, like just playing games, which is yeah. really easy. Like we, like we spent like an oh. hour last week talking about a guy whose job was review video games and write about them, and he's he told him my job is professional writer, and he couldn't do that. Yeah. Like his job was reviewing video games, and he was so bad at it he had to steal them. Yeah. And then there's all the stories you always get of like just oh. Um, here's footage of a person who's been in the industry for 20 years and not been able to complete the tutorial level of Cuphead or something. Oh, like that new SpongeBob one that went around. That was amazing. That was, oh, that was brilliant. Like, clarify that for the audience. This is a great story. And I think it just it shows what I'm talking about so well. Um, so there was a clip going around of someone reviewing the um, remaster for SpongeBob Battle for Bikini Bottom. Yeah. And essentially there's a very simple puzzle where SpongeBob has essentially a bowling ball that when he presses the button, he will run forward a little bit and throw the like the bubble bowling ball thing that he has. Um, I haven't played the game, so I'm not too familiar with exactly what the ball is, but think of it just as if he's running forward and rolling a bowling ball. And the person in the review um, even had film footage of like, well, there's some really basic stuff that the game fucks up. Like, look at this puzzle. Um, I have to stand on this button to open a gate, but then when I press the button to throw the bowling ball, the gate shuts because he walks off of the button. And this is a totally broken mechanic. It's like, or just stand behind the button and roll, like walk into it when you press the button to roll the ball and he couldn't grasp that. That there's an extra level to the puzzle. Yeah. Because it's a puzzle. <laughs> and the fact that that guy not only couldn't realise that, but thought that he was so smart for pointing out this supposedly critical flaw of this game's design, yeah. he proudly filmed himself fucking up this puzzle for children and uploaded it to the internet, criticising the makers of the game for making a puzzle too difficult for him to solve because it required one extra step beyond press a button. Yeah. That is the most basic oh. way to construct a puzzle of you give someone a tool, they use the tool, then you add a new element to yep. it. It's a one new tweet. element. One new thing and he couldn't figure it out. And he's oh. a professional video game reviewer. Yeah, and that that's not what made it funny to me, but yeah, as you pointed out, the fact that he was so proud and went, I'm going to film this and show how awful this game design is. And then everyone just went, mate, stand back two steps. Yeah. It's like, oh. Okay. He couldn't, he couldn't figure it out. And like then the he Doom gave one. the game like two out of ten. Like, the Doom one will always be the best one. Because that is the guy who cannot shoot a gun. 
Well, he's oh, playing I don't remember Doom. this one. It was the Polygon Doom review. It's like they got hands-on with Doom 2016. So a really hotly anticipated, very um, uh, eagerly anticipated game. Yeah. I said anticipated twice there. Well, yeah, I'm a writer and I got that wrong. So uh, hotly anticipated, eagerly awaited video game. And they got hands-on for 30 minutes and they uploaded a video called This Is Doom. Okay. Like, this is what the Doom. This is what Doom 2016 is. This visceral, just grinding experience, like you just chucking yourself against the hordes of hell, fucking them up. Okay. And it's like it's playing like the Mick Gordon riff in the background, like this super heavy metal, like balling ass, like it's balls to the wall insanity happening yeah. in the background, and then the action on screen is a guy barely able to shoot a demon and then gun butting a wall three times. It's like. <laughs> What? And it's just 30 minutes of this guy being completely unable to traverse the environment of Doom. Just bumble-fucking his way about. But underneath it says, this is Doom. It's like, <laughs> the reason that's so funny is, one, like, yeah, that guy's shit at playing Doom. Yeah. Two, though, is the fact that someone presumably edited that footage together, saw it and went, that's fine. Yeah. Um, that three, probably that- had to pass through multiple people. Yeah. They all went, yeah, this looks hot as shit. Yeah, three, presumably Bethesda or id had to look over it because obviously it's their game and this is exclusive um, preview footage that they evidently will want to control yeah. or understandably want to control the flow of. And like this is one of the first looks at the game, like long-form style. I'm not and sure how saw... much they would have a say in like the final video. But they might at the very least offer a few comments. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Of like, we want this game to present it in the best possible light. And they'd watch this person bumbling their way through it, barely able to shoot a single... This makes the game look bad. Like, if I was ma- a PR person, would like I would stand there and go, have you got anyone else to play the game? Have you got, got anyone else to record footage for this? We put a lot of effort into making this game really cool and fun and feel really visceral, like the kinetic like moments-moment action is like where it shines. Yeah. This guy can't aim and shoot at the same time. <laughs> And the fact they uploaded it, and then after it got uploaded, they got roasted so hard online, they turned off the like and dislike part. (laughs) (laughs) And it's so good. And then, like, when Doom Eternal came out, they did it again. And there's a moment where the guy, I think you walk onto a bit where you can't jump. Like, that's the twist of this area that you're in. You can't jump when you stand on this specific part of the environment. So you either have to fight, like, in the pit, or jump over it. Mm-hmm. And there's like a straight minute long section where the guy is just looking up at a ledge and jumping, but not jumping. It's like Doom guys <laughs> like getting like a, a three inches out of the ground and going back in. Yeah, and that's a, like a minute. Oh uh, my god! Uh, uh, it's like this makes the game look so bad. Why would you let them upload this? Yeah. Oh, that that must be heartbreaking for like the developers of Doom, because that to game is fucking. Like, just phenomenal, frenetic action. As you say, just balls to the wall, just ripping through demons. And then they go, oh, yeah, Polygon. They've uploaded a video going, this is Doom. And then it's just a guy, like, gun butting a wall and can't jump and stuff. And then, like, not only is that disappointing, just says, like, it makes the game look bad, but then the discussion about that footage is no longer about how good the game looks, but how shit the company reviewing it makes it look. It's yeah. like, oh, come on, you don't want that negativity out there. No, you don't. And it's consistently amazing that it keeps happening. And, like, uh, I think it's Dean, is it Takahashi? He's the Cuphead guy, isn't he? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Who couldn't do the Cuphead thing. And 
Like his career is amazing. So there's a couple of things where um, the famous one is he couldn't figure out how to jump and dash at the same time in Cuphead. Even though playing... there's literally a giant block of text behind him Tell saying, what to do. "Press this button and then in the air dash," and it's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I can't. I can't do that." It takes him a full minute and a half to work out that you've got to press two buttons. But um, then there's the other one where he played Mass Effect and didn't know you could upgrade your abilities and then complained <laughs> that the end of the game is too hard. Oh, no. Because he never upgraded his character in an RPG. Yeah, in a fucking RPG. And he never once went into the menu where you can see it. And then the other one, I'm not sure if it was him or someone he worked with, where they reviewed a football manager game and complained mm. that you can't play football in it. <laughs> because they didn't know that you just, you don't see the gameplay. It's all simulated. So they got mad it wasn't FIFA. Yeah. Oh like, my god. Even I don't play soccer manager games. I don't play simulation games all that much. Mm-hmm. But I even I know just from osmosis of liking video games, that's what football manager is. Yeah, and would you not at least if you're going to either review or preview or go and play a game have a rough understanding of what genre it is mm-hmm. at very least just the genre but like if one of the things in the review is like you, it, it's a bit disappointing that you can't see the pitch or you can't like take direct control of a player it's like that's not what this game is <laughs> yeah it's just so fun to see it and like why why are you why did they hire you there's like a million people out there who do this for half price because they that's fucking just weird, love video is- games there's so many people that are, at very least, decent at playing video games that want those jobs, and you've got to find the person that can't understand how to press two buttons at the same time. It's almost impressive. Yeah. It's almost impressive that you've got someone who simultaneously sucks at playing video games and then can't write about them either. So the two facets of their job, the only two things they're expected to do, they can't, and they still have a job. Yeah, and even if it was a case of, oh, this person's, you know, good at writing, but not good at playing video games, I'm pretty sure you still wouldn't want to hire them. Because you've got to have some basic comprehension of playing video games to, like, give a good critical response to something. Yeah, it's of the medium. Yeah. Um, And that's, like, it goes into my thing of, to go back to media literacy, it's a base level of media literacy. I think, I genuinely think they should teach it in schools. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, maybe not like a full course, but just like have like a module in a year. Like, maybe like the last year you're in school. Of just, here's how you view media critically. Mm-hmm. Just so people have like a base level of understanding of one, how media is created, and two, how it's supposed to be interpreted. Like, and I know it's a bad thing, like, you know, there's no specific way to interpret media because it's obviously it's a nebulous and that's the re that's. Yeah. Okay. Oh, sorry, that's the primary thing of creativity and creative output. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You can't control how someone reacts to it, but at the very least, you can understand the intended um, uh, response you're supposed to have to it, or what like um, it, uh, what response it was created to have in mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'd say if like reviewing a film, like, you don't need to teach someone to review a film, but you need to say, okay, this the film is constructed in such a way. Like, why is, for example, a horror film? Why is it scary? What yeah. tricks and um, tropes are there that make a film scary? Mm-hmm. How would you define this genre of film? Like, and it's bizarre to me yeah. that, like, um, I, I know that I didn't do much of it in school, but I remember during um, the age of about, say, like, 13 to 16, so end of high school kind of times, like, 
the second half of our high school before we go into like college, etc., etc. I still during like English um, literature would be taught like today we're gonna um, watch a movie and have like a critical think about this movie or about like an episode of The Simpsons. We're gonna watch it a few times and figure out what some of the tricks that they're using to like make it entertaining and um, just give like a small overview of what we think of the actual TV episode and how it's constructed. Yeah, and it's I, weird that, that there's none of that sometimes. I want that to be taught in schools. Of us, like, here is a film. What is the film trying to say? Like, yeah, not what do you think it's in there. What is the film trying to say? And now, what do you think it's trying to say? Like, how do you interpret it? How um, like good is it at getting across what it's like? What the intended message is? Mm-hmm. Why doesn't it work? Why does it work? What do you think of this film? And like, just teach people just to think about media that little bit more than they probably. Like, than they probably do. Just yeah. so you don't end up with stuff like this, of people being completely unable to see what the fuck is going on on the screen in front of them. Because I mentioned to you yesterday, I didn't know where there was that uh, game reviewer who was getting really, really pissed off after the release of The Last of Us 2. Mm-hmm. Where he's like, look, I've, I've, I'm done. Gamers are too fucking stupid to understand the concept of a morally grey character. Oh, right, Let's yeah, just yeah. make villains... Like bright, like we're just putting them in devil horns. Let's just make like fucking Resident Evil Four and put everyone as Salazar. Yeah, everyone's got to be like. And then the top response to that tweet is, "Why would you can't have a morally grey person? Like if they do bad things, they're a villain." It's like, oh my god. (laughs) But it's like that level of like you can't see the world, or like at least the world in media as anything more than binary, and that's really bad. Yeah, and that's when, um, you know, my response to that was kind of like, oh, yeah, it's similar to the protagonist argument of, like, last generation. It was just the red bar and blue bar of how good or evil are you? And it was never a discussion of, like, oh, well, you can kind of be, like, a bit evil and a bit good at the same time. It was, are you good or are you evil? Literally, the Fable fable 3 choice of do you want to build an orphanage or send them to the hunger mines yeah. like, why is there not a middle choice why is there not a more nuanced decision to this mm-hmm. is this really what you think your audience wants and i guess it was well judging from the response to fable 3 especially the ending part i don't think it was like fucking hell man it's just, it's so lazy and it's well really not interesting no a completely uh, like you can have a com- like completely irredeemable villain, mm-hmm. like, and usually they have to be a cartoon character, like Handsome Jack. Oh yeah, yeah. A cartoonishly evil villain throughout most of that game, but even then, even then, they still add that element of pathos to him. There is yeah, still those brief they have the whole the angel mask... moment and stuff. Yeah, and the mask falls down. You see, oh, he's a human. He's just like, very exaggerated in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think like even the most. Um, uh, like cartoons are evil or good characters. Like when I think of them as being a good character, there's always that twist of that extra level of depth and beyond just good or bad. Yeah, and it makes for interesting characters. Like you think, go back to like old ass games of like just heroes and villains, and like you don't remember them at all. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Like, do you remember the name of any main character in any first person shooter? Nope. Do you remember the name of any villain? Like beyond like Master Chief and the really famous ones. But even then, it's, it's hard for me to remember the 
I guess, like, the characters in that story other than, like, oh, well, there's Master Chief and Arbiter. Because they're interesting. Yeah. Now, do you remember, like, the Prophet of Truth and Regret? I couldn't remember which names they were. I remember they were the Prophets. Exactly. It's like almost like, yeah, I want characters to be interesting, like, because if they're interesting, it doesn't matter if they're a villain, because I'll still want to see their story. Yeah. And I think, like, Handsome Jack gets that the best, because that, I, and you can tell that they didn't know how to top it. Because mm-hmm. every time they've tried to make a new game in that universe, they either bring Handsome Jack back or just make people act exactly like him, but don't give him any of the charisma. Don't give him any of the charisma that he had. Yeah, because um, the I can't again can't remember their fucking names, even though because I played it last yeah, year. Because they're the, just evil for the sake of it. There's no the, depth to them, so they're not interesting. The Calypso twins. twins was it? Yeah. Do you remember their names? Uh, no, no. Exactly. Boy and girl. And because, it was just, oh, but um, they'd be dying if they didn't go and kill everyone. And it's like, oh, okay. So I guess they just decided, let's become evil, murderous, rage monsters, and then stream it as a joke. Yeah, and then like they have the bits where, oh, yeah, you can hear them in the background like melting people with their powers. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Look how evil they are. Because Handsome Jack could do the same thing. So, no, Handsome Jack, he was ridiculously evil and narcissistic and didn't give a shit about anyone. But he had his reasons as twisted as they were. Yeah, and obviously done in a very cartoonish, hammy way. But it still worked for that character and that yeah. world. Because it's a very like silly world. And I fucking love just Handsome Jack, as you can tell. I think it's Damon Clark was the voice. Fucking loved it. Yeah. Because every yeah. scene he's in, he's chewing on the scenery. It's great. It's so good. And half of the time, he's not even on screen. He's, he's just, just a voice. Yeah. He's just on the little uh, the communication device talking shit to you. And he's just a huge dick because that's his character. He's not a dick for no reason. He's a dick because he knows. Mm-hmm. He knows that there's nothing you can do. And he's, he's, oh, he's so good. Like, does that oh, scene yeah. when you're walking down the beginning? And it's just, yeah, I bought a pony. I made a diamond because I'm rich. All right, bye. Yeah. Like, <laughs> then 30 seconds later, you get another call. Oh, whoa, whoa, just to be clear. That pony made that is real. It's a real pony made a diamond. Okay. Yeah. Just start to clarify that for you. Actually, you no, know, I'm thinking, what should I call my pony made of diamonds? I was thinking it piss for brains after you. <laughs> well, that seems a bit harsh. I know, but Stallion. Yeah. And it's just like that moment, it's so stupid, but the fact that he has to call you back up to clarify that it's real. Is that like, it just it's like oh. the fact that he does that makes me love him because yeah, I can see exactly what you want me to think of think of this character and it's such a good establishing note because that's quite early in the game and even before i replayed that that's a moment just of him being off screen and talking to you via like you know voice in your ear that was still a line that i remembered yeah because there's like it immediately like what so from that interaction where your character doesn't speak you get well okay so he's rich he's narcissistic but he's also insecure yeah because he has to immediately clarify the story that he's telling, and mm. then he has to try and shield that with insults. And you get all that from that one, like, 30-second moment of the game where you're presumably melting bandits with a shotgun. Yeah. And it's awesome. And I fucking love it. It's like, you can tell so much. The, just the character and the, the performance is great. And then in the next game, it's just, we're evil because that's what we are. And I can't tell you character. one line from the Calypso twins at all. But I can quote almost everything Handsome Jack says because it's fucking great. Yeah. And, and then, uh, like, yeah, in the pre-sequel, they had to just go, 
Oh, I guess it's Handsome Jack again. But yeah, before back. he died, it's like, okay. Oh. Uh, we got Handsome Jack when he was a good guy, but the reason... Like, you oh, don't shit, need to yeah. make him a good guy because he thought he was a good guy in the second one. That's why he's an interesting character because he thinks he's right. He's basically Thanos. Yeah, and he literally calls you out for being the villain of the story. From his perspective. And he's like, I am the hero. Stop trying to stop me. I'm the hero. I can't lose. And it's like, oh man, like this is a guy that is so twisted and fucked up that he genuinely thinks him just murdering everyone and destroying the world is like of good cause still. Mm. And you can, even though you don't agree with him, you can still kind of understand where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, man, what a great villain. And then just, let's just fuck it up and just reply, like, it's evil. They're, they're evil and they do evil things. Isn't that great and quirky? It's, no. But they stream it, Carl. They do, yeah. They streamers. stream it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I sound like I'm beating a dead horse. I just, because I really like discussing and breaking down. I might not be the best at it. I think that's because I've had like a huge big ass energy drink and I'm like formulating (laughs) thoughts on the fly. I don't have the ability to like just sit down and um, uh, dwell on them. Yeah, of course. It just always frustrates me to see people who can only view media at the most surface level or like how they have like the most binary opinions of media. It's either good or it's bad. Like when you go on Metacritic, which is always a laugh and you look at any video game that's popular or was like at a wide release and you go to user reviews and every single one is 9 and 10 or 1 and 0. Yep. There is no nuance. It has Not to be all. either the best thing ever made or a complete and utter shit show. And I don't know if you um, are aware of the change that's been made on Metacritic, speaking of which. Please and talk about it because it's Yeah, amazing. it's so good. Um, and it's something that I'm really surprised it's taken them this long to do. Yeah, like and- a lot of things um, in the... In this Rona world. <laughs> yeah. In the hell world that we live in. Like, why did it take you this long to figure it out? I've no idea, but basically, after the uh, the release and review bombing of Last of Us 2, apparently that was the final straw, and Metacritic made it so that user reviews are not able to um, be submitted for games until 36 hours after the game's release. So, which... Previously, user reviews could be submitted as soon as the game or piece of media appeared on the website. Yep. Meaning you could review a film that came out next year and just review bomb it into oblivion. And just give it zeros. You've never seen it. You've never like had any, you know, actual critical thinking about it. You've gone. I've seen one trailer or one announcement picture at zero. Zero, zero. Usually because it has a woman in it. Or, yeah, in certain cases, you know, when a character dies. And then people will be... It's it's ridiculous and it's so funny. It took them all this time to go, fuck it, you can only review the game after it's been released. It's like, surely that's the first thing you do as a review site that lets people review things. And I think 36 hours is like a good little in-between of... Yeah, you have time to spend a day and a half going and playing the game, at very least for a good few hours. And they even put in a message of maybe come back to this fucking section when you've played the game. Oh, God. It's like, it's as close as they can get without like, upsetting people even more mm-hmm. to just saying, fucking play the game before you review it. And people and got mad. 
They got mad. Oh, what do you mean I've got to play the game before I can give it a one-star review for being <laughs> SJW nonsense? The fuck? This is censorship, Lucas. It's it censorship. Is complete that censorship. To... And the best one is um, when Steam introduced the thing of um, you have to own a game before yeah. you can review it. And people were really mad about that. And I will actually give props to the Steam review system of you can even, like, when you look at Steam reviews, it goes, this person has played for, like, this many hours. And then you can click on the profile and see what other reviews they've given to games and things yeah. like that. And it's like, maybe that should be a thing of, oh, okay, well, this person gave The Last of Us 2 a 0 out of 10. How many hours have they played? They don't own the game. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. People again for the Steam thing. People got mad about like, why, what do you mean? I've got a, I've got to buy the game to review it. Mm-hmm. So and Steam has a, reta- a return policy of if you play a game for under like two three hours, you two can hours I believe, it yeah, and get your money back. Um, so people were buying it and then like buying it, leaving a shit review, review bomb it, and then returning it. And I'm not sure if they introduce a system where if you do that, they take down your review as well. Um, I'm hope- not sure, but again, you could see person has played zero point five hours. Yeah, they, t- they turned it, they booted it up, left their review, then uninstalled. Yeah. So at least there is that little marker of if they don't have any system to review, uh, to get rid of those reviews, at least you could see this person basically didn't fucking play the game after they reviewed it. Now, the ones that I like is that um, you, uh, some websites at least, they you can review the review. But you can on Amazon. <laughs> Like some yeah. of these reviewer products. And it's How like, helpful oh, was it? Like 300 out of like 320 people found this review helpful. Yeah. I love that. So I like the idea you can review the reviews. And, and the... it's like, it's shit. And it's like zero out of 50 people found this review helpful. I think if that happened, they should have like a, um, a like an honor system or a rep system. Isn't that what like um the things like Yelp have? Yes. Where Yelp you become like yourself. star reviewers and things like yeah. that. Uh, Yelp can go fuck itself because they actually legitimately hustle people. Like Yelp will contact businesses and restaurants and be like, well, you got a couple of negative reviews on your uh, restaurant there. Oh, no. Would they you don't. want to remove those? Do you want to join and become like, you know, a Yelp affiliate? We can help you get rid of some of those reviews. And um, <sighs> there's a guy. Uh, I'll find the story actually because this is a really fun one. Okay. <laughs> Uh, he's, he's, like, he's one of my heroes, really. So, uh, while you're looking at, oh, I just want to give honourable shout out to yes. those Amazon reviews where people just take the most amount of piss. Oh, they're great, yeah. Like all the one, the famous one is all the ones of the uh, Haribo sugar-free gummies. Oh, I've not seen those ones. Uh, Haribo sugar-free gummies uh, because the stuff they use to make them sugar-free is a laxative. Uh, okay. taken in large quantities such as if you eat a kilo of sugar-free gummy bears <laughs> so all the reviews are like i ate these on a monday three like days later i woke up i in just like a pool of my own shits my insides are turned inside out <laughs> and there i'm at, oh God, I'm, I'm struggling to type here we go i know uh, there was one for like a um hair removal cream that i remember and yeah. it was just like Five stars, this is amazing. I lathered it all over my body and bathed in it, and now I'm smooth as a baby or something like that. It's like, oh, God. Yeah, and the other one, it's like the most legendary review ever of um, a restaurant on Just Eat. It's like, yeah, they um, ordered the pizza at 7 o'clock in the evening. Um, it said it arrived in 40 minutes, arrived in 20, which would have been ideal, but I was balls, weef- balls deep in the missus at the time. Four out of five stars. <laughs> it's just <laughs> fucking perfect. 
It's oh. so good. Oh, that's beautiful. Just like, what an amazing, amazing review that is. It's like, yeah, yeah it was, came quick, but uh, I was bald deep in the mist at the time. So um, this a is busy. a story that I'm quite a big fan of. Never had a chance to cover it on the channel because it's like, it's not quite got that twist. It's just a very interesting, amusing story. It's um, okay. a guy here, it's a Chef David Serratini. And what he did is in 2014, advertised a special that will forever change his fate. Anyone who left his re- restaurant a one-star review on Yelp would get 25% off a pizza. Okay. So the story here is that um, when he first got on to... Um, he made his restaurant. And yeah. He made a reputation for being snarky. So it says here that uh, he would leave... He had a hall of shame. So what he would do is, like, anyone who left him a snooty Yelp review... Oh, yeah. ...put them on his wall, which was titled The Village Idiots. (laughs) And he would compile idiotic customer inquiries, such as, do you sell burgers, despite the fact it's a fucking pizza restaurant. (laughs) And he sent out a newsletter, which was stupid questions of the month. Oh, man. That's amazing. And people were like, yeah, like, David, that's just him. That's just his personality. But what happened was that um, he noticed he got a few bad reviews. Like, I don't care. Mm. I, I don't give a shit if I've got bad reviews. So okay, yeah. this, we've, got, um, we've got this backstory here. So in 2000 and... Oh, sorry. This is a background of Yelp. So as a restaurateur, 17 have been early adopters of Yelp, launched in 2004 by a former PayPal employee. The platform's user submitted five-star rating system quickly became an integral part of every small business's online footprint as Serentini knew a mere half star difference in a restaurant's rating could increase peak hour foot traffic by as much as 19% so Yelp super big deal for a lot of restaurateurs yeah it is uh, yeah. by the time Botto's Bistro opened its doors in 2009 Yelp had 26 million visitors per month and whether intentionally or not the platform had entrenched itself as a controller of every small business's online reputation and fate so I'm reading here from an article by The Hustle about this which is why I'm jumping all over the place because a lot of the pertinent information is hidden along bullshit I don't care about. Yeah, yeah. Because this is a web. This is one of those websites where we need you to spend as much time on it as possible. So instead so, of a 500 word article, it's like 5,000 words yes, or something. So yeah. I'm trying to like flip between to find the pertinent information for us both. So in the months after opening Botto's Bistro, um, Serratina began receiving dozens of calls from Yelp salespeople who implored him to buy ads. According to Serratina, when he rebuffed these offers, he'd often notice that freshly posted five-star reviews would be removed from his page, often no less than 24 hours after getting off the phone with a Yelp rep. And a quote from him is, I came from Italy, I know exactly what mafia extortion looks like. Yelp was manipulating reviews and hoping I would pay a protection fee. I didn't come to America and work for 25 years to be extorted by some idiot in Silicon Valley. And that's the thing, and Yelp has consistently denied that they do this. They have denied that they manipulate reviews or that they allow fake reviews to like sh- like show on people's pages. But you ask anyone who owns a restaurant who mm-hmm. doesn't advertise with Yelp, do Yelp do that? It's 100 fucking percent. If they don't, I, it seems very suspicious that like 100% of restaurateurs always say this. And at the same time, it's very easy for them to deny it when they have complete control of the platform. Yeah, and it's the same thing with um, like the Better Business Bureau, mm-hmm. where they will advise people, join with us, um, get yourself a profile. Why? Well, you should have one with the Better Business Bureau. We rate businesses on how good they are. So I don't care. I run my business. Fine. They'll yeah. go onto their Better Business Bureau page, and they'll have like an F 
Oh, and then there's yeah. stories of people who've got that and they'll join, pay like the $500 joining fee. Suddenly their rating will shoot up for no discernible reason. Yeah. And it's similar with Yelp, where once you become an advertiser on Yelp, suddenly you start getting better reviews. It's weird that, isn't um, it? Yeah, it's very strange. So it says here that Serratini resorted to devious measures. He wrote himself five-star reviews. And he says he was doing it, he was writing fake ones to replace the real ones they remove. And we have to take his word for it here. And I was yeah. going to say, he was, he was just... Thousands of restaurants do that all over the world, writing yeah, fake yeah. reviews, and you can usually tell. Uh, it says that documents, uh, documented records shared with the hustle by Yelp tell a fuller story of Serratini's actions. It says here that so under the alias um, Bab Ganoush, Serratini posted 13 positive reviews for his restaurant, as well as critical reviews of neighbouring restaurants. So that's probably like, you know what, dick move, man, dick move. But yeah, that's not it's great. Ki- it's kind of in keeping with his personality. So they, so they Yelp rebuffed Serratini's extortion claims that attributing the removal of positive um, reviews uh, to the platform's algorithm, which routinely, routinely filters reviews based on a number of criteria, which are not public. Of course they're not. Yeah. Uh, eventually, Serratini relented, plunking down $270 per month to advertise his business on Yelp. That's not a small amount. It's not. Uh, so he said, but after six months, he found the service useless and cancelled. Once again, his rating stars plummeted. Um, in the spring of 2014, after turning out another Yelp salesperson, Serratini claims that the four five-star reviews were after uh, four five-star reviews were filled from his page, and three one-star reviews were suddenly catapulted to the top of the page. For the chef, this was the final straw. Those one-star reviews from people who never sit a foot in my restaurant. One complained about our waiters. We don't even have waiters. <laughs> and they said, "I realised that Yelp was, for better or worse, completely controlling my reputation." Mm-hmm. So he decided to go for more extreme measures. So then it goes into like he was um, known for being quite snarky. So one morning in September of 2014, he placed a simple sign in front of his bistro. Give us a one-star review on Yelp and get 25% off any pizza. This discount was later increased to 50%. <laughs> and do you know the best thing about this is? Um, this protest came at the perfect time because days earlier, unbeknownst to Serratini, Okay. Uh, the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals had ruled that Yelp had the right to manipulate reviews and that its advertising tactics were a form of, and I quote, hard bargaining, not extortion. What the fuck? So, yeah, um, Yelp is empowered by the law, or at least was at the time, to manipulate reviews to hard bargain with their customers. So that's you know, that same thing that Serratini accused them of doing, that they denied, Um uh, for some reason, they argued in court that doing that is okay and got permission to do it, despite the fact they claim they don't. Seems a bit weird, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit odd that they would argue to uh, be able to legally do something they never, ever would do. Yeah, like we don't do this, but we are going to fight tooth and nail in court for our right to keep doing the thing we say we don't do. Uh, yeah. So they so said the next morning, Serratini pulled into his parking lot and was greeted by an avalanche of journalists, fellow restaurant owners and supporters. Uh, that Friday, he did more business than he usually did in the entire month. Um, he had to hell. ask the restaurant community for help, extra pizza dough and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, it was yeah. absolute madhouse. Uh, most supporters refused to take the discount, but were thrilled to write a review. In a few days, <laughs> Botto Bistro's Yelp page had attracted more than 2,300 one-star ratings. <laughs> uh, 95% of its total reviews, extolling good price, proper service, and rustic ambience. Botto Bistro sucks were a one review. Delicious food, priced fairly, one star. <laughs> this earned the restaurant this seems to be the worst rated um, uh, restaurant on Yelp oh um, that's I awesome got, 
the best bit is, though, Yelp was none too pleased about Serratini's newfound fame. The chef <laughs> soon received a threatening email from one member of Yelp's support claiming that he was exchanging reviews for incentives, a discount on a pizza, a clear violation of the platform's terms of services. Keep I mean, in mind okay. that they fought and won the right in court to manipulate reviews. Yeah, and then are getting pissed off when he's essentially manipulating reviews to get bad ones. Yeah, because you must have... Like, I'm guessing anyone out there has seen the thing of, like, leave us a review on Yelp and you get a free drink. Because it helps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, like, oh, fill in a customer comment card, get a discount off your next order. Yeah. Like, it's a common, common tactic in the industry. Because, like, it's very... Like, see, it, it was something I learned from my years in, like, service is that generally you need to go absolutely... Up, you need to go above and beyond to get people to give a good review, but yep. you need to make a single mistake to want to give a bad one. Which means um, like bad reviews time, yeah. tend to outweigh good ones because the vast majority of people who come to a restaurant or go to a like any or use any kind of service will be, yeah, that was great, exactly what I expected, but they won't give do the extra thing of leaving a review because why would I? It was fine. Yeah, and I've even had it to the extent of, um, like, you know, obviously mentioned that we're working Nando's and like, We'd give out cards with our name on it and be like, look, this is like whoever cooked your food. I served you today. Uh, if you go online, there's a chance of like winning a voucher. If you leave a review, good or bad, leave whatever review you want. But if you mention it, that like I was a good server, I'll get a nice little, like, I guess, pat on the back from a manager or whatever. So yeah. I've had people turn around and go, oh, that that's amazing, Lucas. I'll be sure to go online and leave a really good review and mention your name. And they never And it do almost it. never happens. Exactly. Almost never. You know, even if someone has a good time, they don't want to do the extra effort of doing it, which is yeah. why like businesses like will do anything to get them. Because like you only need to like, have like, one RC customer who like, oh, uh, can I get a drink? It's like, okay, I'll be with you in a minute, sir. It's like, yeah, that's it. Terrible service. Awful. Yeah. Almost, like, they happen all the time, these ridiculously horrible, like just caustic reviews. For a single mistake. Well, um, the one of my favourites was, um, it was either last winter or the winter before. No, it was the winter before, I think. Um, basically, like the heater in the restaurant had broken for mm-hmm. a, a little while. I can't remember how long, but we were, you know, very open with every single customer. We stood on the door before they even put the name down for a table. Like, look, the heating is broken. Like, it's very cold in there. Keep your jackets on or whatever. We're all walking around in Nando's hoodies because, like. We're trying to get this problem fixed, but it's very cold. It's the middle of winter. And the amount of reviews we got are, this was, like, great food. We got told the restaurant would be really cold, and it was really cold, like, awful service. And it's like, what? It's like, we, you acknowledge you got told before you entered the restaurant it was very cold, and then left a bad review that it was really cold. Yeah, um, one of my favourite bad reviews that I ever got. Um, because I, for the most part, had quite good customer feedback, but the best bit of customer feedback I ever got was uh, the waiter, Carl, uh, told us that they didn't sell chips. I found this very rude. Because they what? came into a fancy restaurant and asked if we sold chips and said, uh, unfortunately not, no, um, but I can ask the chef to make some, but I don't like your tone. <laughs> so I told them that something that wasn't on the menu wasn't on the menu, and they got mad. How dare you, I was really you, Carl? happy about that one. We said, How yeah, dare you? Um, after Serratini got this um, angry message from Yelp, he posted both emails publicly. 
So we've got one here. This is from Yelp Feedback to Redacted. I like how he puts their email on it where it redacts out. <laughs> Hi, Michael. I'm contacting you from Yelp User Support to receive complaints from the community that you will be offering incentives in exchange for reviews. If we learn that this type of behavior is continued, we may take action on your business account, which could include suspending access to your listing, may also result in a consumer alert being placed on your listing. Regards, Marvin Yelp Support. Hi, Marvin. I'm contacting you from Botto User Support Team because we receive complaints from the community that you may be removing reviews in exchange for. Of, oh, sorry. Hi, Marvin. I'm contacting you from Botto User Support because we receive complaints from the community that you may be removing reviews in exchange of vague explanations to loyal customers. If we learn that this type of behavior has continued, we may take action on our business accounts, which could include suspending all activity to our listing. It may also result in adding a Yelp customer alert page on our website and in our newsletters. <laughs> and as the press continues Seratini positioned himself as an anti-Yelp spokesman so it wasn't about the discount or the pizza or even the reviews it was about the general public saying enough is enough they never wanted to, they no longer wanted to be surrounded by Yelp as bullshit <laughs> <laughs> and like, I believe South Park even um, got in on this okay and there's an episode of South Park about Yelpers oh, about God. how they basically hold restaurants hostage by yep. acting like acting all high and mighty and just suspending the, like the dangling thing of I could leave you a bad review and crater your user rating on Yelp because I'm a Yelper and that's a real thing that people do. Yeah, I've um, seen it happen once when I was just a customer in a restaurant. I've seen somebody do that and turn around and go, look, I had a bad experience. If you don't like remove items from um, my receipt from my check, I will leave you a bad review on Yelp. And they were just like, the waiter just was like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what happened. They had to go grab the manager or whatever. But I just saw that moment of, no, give me discount or I will give you bad review on Yelp. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Which, you'd argue, which I would argue is exchanging incentives in turn for a good review. It is. against Yelp's terms of service. And the reason I like that episode of South Park is one, because loads of restaurants um, wrote to Matt and Trey and were like, yeah, it's, we've had this. Um, and the second bit is like they were expressed frustration that they can't do the thing that they do in the episode, which is um, every restaurant in America decides to just put snot, boogers and cum inside of Yelper's food in return for a discount. <laughs> which is basically just spitting inside Yelper's food. It's like, everyone's happy. We get good reviews, the Yelpers get free food. <laughs> oh, God. And we get to tell them to go fuck themselves. And we have some stuff here where... Um, Seratini wasn't the only one to act on this sentiment. So um, lots of other business owners have put like no Yelper signs in their windows and shamed like rude reviewers on Instagram and launched anti-Yelp websites. Fair play. And it's just like one of those things that's just really funny. Yeah. That, uh, and then it just goes on and goes on and goes on and, like of like all the other stuff that he's done. But um, the reason I like this is like, no, fuck these companies and fuck all these bollocks of people trying to like... Basically, just extort us for money. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, that was like 2014. You fast forward six years, and it's no longer Yelp. Yelp doesn't really have the online footprint that it used to. Mm-hmm. It can't really, doesn't have as much clout that it can wave around. Yeah. But Instagram influencers sure do. And mm. you must have heard all those stories about like Instagram influencers emailing hotels and stuff saying, give me a free room and I'll post about it on my Instagram page. And then yep. the hotel's going, Go and fuck yourself. Yeah. And it's like, yes, that's exactly what I want. Yeah. That's the best. 
Oh, God. And I really don't mind, you know, when um, somebody does the whole thing of kind of, you know, either people on Twitter who are famous or Instagram or whatever and goes, look, someone sent me a cool free thing. Do you want to look at it? And it's kind of like you get something free. They get a p bit of free promotion. like Stuff like that, I don't mind. But when it's them turning it back around and going, give me something for free. Yeah. So that I can fucking abuse my right as like an Instagrammer or whatever like that. It's like, oh yeah. God. Yeah. That's just go and fuck yourself. Which is why like we could do this story, which is uh, the L... Oh no, I need to find the name of the hotel. So it's the... Oh, the White Moose Cafe. Okay. Perfect. So this is a hotel has banned YouTubers and Instagram stars after a 22-year-old YouTuber asked for a five-night free stay in the hotel and then broke down in tears when she was told to fuck off. And this is what cracks me up. So we have Elle Darby, a UK-based social media influencer with 87,000 YouTube subscribers. Okay. So I have six times the audience that she does. Um, you don't see me demanding free stays anywhere. When she got denied from like a fucking near week of just free hotel use and presumably a nice hotel as well. Yeah, because why would you want to stop in a bad hotel we have here? And, uh, she reached oh, out to the owner, Paul Stenson, asking if he was interested in a possible collaboration. It's not a collaboration, is it? Like, you give me free stuff. Yes, I want free stuff. Uh, so in an email to the Dublin Hotel, Darby wrote, I work as a social media influencer, mainly lifestyle, beauty and travel. She then included her social media reach before continuing. My partner and I are planning to come to Dublin uh, for an early Valentine's Day weekend from February 8th to 12th. So one of the busiest times of the year. Yeah, so that's going to be... And the service industry. Absolutely fully booked at full price. Yeah. Like, um, as I not all is the middle of fucking nowhere, but yeah. Yeah, as oh. I was searching for a place there, come across your link, I said, I would love to feature my YouTube videos. Uh, to bring traffic to your hotel and recommend others to book in return for free accommodation. Ending her email, Darby mentioned that she had organised a similar collaboration with Universal Orlando in Florida last year, and it's being amazing for them. So just let Lucas, right, let's just break that down for a moment. 87,000 uh, YouTube followers. She went, yeah, I had a similar deal with Universal Orlando, <laughs> and they've done really well, thanks to me. Yeah, thanks to you, you Universal sold a lot of fucking bar tickets. Uh, Lucas, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you now, right? Before we covered this story, were you aware of Universal Orlando, Florida? I don't think I've ever heard of that one, Carl. Yeah. Like, were you familiar with L Darby, YouTuber with eighty seven thousand subscribers? <laughs> think about that. Like, how? F I, I, I I I struggled to think of a way to describe that. Yeah, that isn't just like completely fucking mad. I, yeah, I am so, I brought business to one of the most well-known and popular holiday destinations on planet Earth. Yeah, Cole, you know what? Last year, me and my, like, 6,000 subscribers really helped out Disneyland, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's basically what it is. Universal is, like, it's the only thing. The only thing that tops it in terms of, like, the amount of people that go and are aware of it is Disneyland. Yeah. And when you're second to Disney, you're doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> that's so good. And this is the fact, it's been amazing for them. Like, before I came on, they were struggling. No one had ever heard of it, Carl. Like, do you know what? I'm going to look up Universal Orlando. Right, and I'm going to Google her name. Oh, uh, so man, yeah. L 
Let's just get her name exactly right. Her name is... L Darby. Let's find out. Oh, God. I really want to just see, like, oh, struggling Universal finally found a foothold in, like, the holiday industry. Okay, so here's a video where she went. Oh, God, I don't want to watch this. Um, no, she you got 87,000 views. Oh, wow. Okay. She got, right, so now I'm going to look. So 87,000 views on her video. All right, so we've got 87,000 views on this video. Bear in mind, all right. And then I'm going to look up Orlando Universal. Um, weekly attendance. Yeah. Weekly attendance, 2018. So the year before she did the video. Okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, we have Universal Orlando attendance in 27, uh, 2017 was 10.2 million people. So 10.2 million okay. people visited Orlando uh, Universal Park in 2017, and in 2018 it was 10.71 million. She got 87,000 views. <laughs> and I know from experience of doing this kind of shit for a living that the most amount of follow-through you will ever get on anything advertised on YouTube, Instagram, anything like that is roughly 1% to 2%. Okay. You get a 1% to 2% click-through rate, and then around 10% of those might buy the thing. So potentially she could have sold so 87,000, 1% of 87,000, Lucas. So, so like eight, 870. Okay. And then like 10, 20% of that. So 80 people. Yeah. She may have sold 80 tickets to Universal Orlando. So let's now go on to, let's say uh, that 10.71 million. Uh, bear in mind she released it in 2019. So I don't think we're going to have any figures for 2020. Yeah, I don't think it's going <laughs> to go guessing- up. I guess if attendance has gone down, which you said it was amazing <laughs> for them. So let's just say it continued on the same upward trend. And let's go for 11 million. Okay, yeah. So let's go for 11. Uh, let's go. So what would it be? Um, eight, we said, let's give it a, let's say 100 people. 100. One, yeah, let's be generous. 100 divided by 11 million, which is 0. 0.00009090909. But then we've got to get the percentage, you've got to times it by 100, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which equals 0.0009. So 0.001% increase <laughs> was worth it. So, Lucas, let's just go back to your hotel in Dublin. Would you give away a five-night stay in your hotel for a 0.001% increase to your foot traffic the following year? Over Valentine's weekend as well. <laughs> it's like, the fuck is this person thinking? Oh, God, I don't know. Like, God, and I'm going to, we can continue. I'm just going to nip to the bathroom, but we're going to fuck it. We're going to, we're Lucas, because this is story is an adventure, and I want you to go on it with me. Are you prepared? Yeah, I'm just going to run, grab a, a drink as well. Okay, so I've returned from my brief pee break. Lucas, do you have your drink? Uh, yes, I do. All right, so right. let's continue in this, the tale of El Darby. We've established that she got a grand total of 87,000 views on her video about coming to Universal Studios. And I'm curious as well. Do you know what the best bit is? On the thing here? Uh, Joe, in the description of the video? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, she's like, she doesn't even offer a link to go and go there yourself. Oh, wow. The only links below it are her Instagram... 
and where you can send business enquiries to. <laughs> so she doesn't even offer, like, oh, if you want to go there yourself, you have to look for it on your own, which means that that click-through rate I talked about of like about 1% yeah. doesn't apply because at no point does she actually tell people where to go. <laughs> so we, we established that it was like a naught point, naught, naught, 1% increase at most to traffic to Universal. And like, evidently, the hotel she asked weren't all that bothered about this and they really didn't want to give five night free stay to this knobhead and her boyfriend. Yeah. So Mr. Paul Stetson um, uh, responded um, to Darby's request publicly on the White Moose Cafe Facebook page in a message that read in part, Dear Social Influencer, I know your name, but apparently it's not important to use names. Because keep in mind as well, this lady in her email didn't say hello or anything like that. It's just give me a free stay. <laughs> and here's a pro tip for establishing a rapport with someone. Don't fucking do that. No. Uh, if you're gonna you, you, if you're gonna say like try and get something for free, maybe use the person's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you for your email looking for free accommodation in return for exposure. It takes a lot of balls to send an email like that, if not much <laughs> self-respect and dignity. <laughs> Or, if oh, I let man. you stay here in return for a feature in a video, who is going to pay the staff who look after you, the housekeepers who clean your room, the waiters who serve you breakfast, the receptionist who checks you in? Who is going to pay for the light and heat you use during your stay? Continuing, Stetson asks, maybe I should tell my staff that they'll be featured in your video in lieu of receiving payment for work carried out while you're in residence. <laughs> the message concludes, P.S. The answer is now. Oh, what a burn. And this story is one of those ones where um, it starts off like you're rooting for the guy. Yeah. But then it turns out like maybe the, like um, everyone is an arsehole in this story because it says here that although Stenson attempts to black out Darby's contact information in the message he posted, social media users were able to quickly identify them. It's because when he blacked it out, you could still read who it is. Oh, right. And it turns out that he kept doing this and just kept like singling her out. But either way... I can see why I'd be pissed off. Yeah, I, I can kind of see why he wants to call her out on this fucking bullshit. I, I demand a five-night free stay in your hotel for literally nothing in return. It's like, yeah, but I helped Universal Orlando, Florida. <laughs> for reference as well, do you know that video I sent you last week? Ooh, uh, which I, one was this? Yeah, I sent Luke's a video last week that I saw... Simply titled Ducks Annihilate Bowl of Peas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> that was amazing. seconds long. Um, and was actually released um, three weeks after she released her Go to Universal Orlando Studios um, video. Okay. Um, she got 87,000 views. Ducks Annihilate Bowl of Peas got 4.8 million. <laughs> and they have less subscribers than she does. So I've got a, uh, a pro tip. Anyone out there who wants to do social media advertising, if your videos get less views than ducks eating peas, <laughs> maybe you should think of a new fucking career. Anyway, the story continues um, that people found um, Darby's uh, contact information and began to attack her with negative comments about requests. Understandably, because fuck off. Yeah, yeah. You're asking for free stuff in return for nothing. I hate this shit. It's like it's poisonous and toxic, and it leads to like some of the most entitled deluded behavior 
on yeah, behalf awful. of people such as I helped Orlando Studios get more viewers. Even though she, in her video supposedly advertising it, she doesn't even link to where you can go to go stay there yourself. <sighs> Literally everything in the description of that video is her self-congratulating and advertising her own stuff. Man. So her claim of being an influencer and helping them advertise is completely false. It is 100% just like, look at me, look how great I am, look at all the free stuff I'm doing. Yeah, because like I do not enjoy those kind of videos, but the ones I have seen and, you know, very quickly clicked off, you can go right to the description of those and you'll see like, um, first line will be, here's where you can get it. Here's like the promo codes you can use. Here's why you should love them, blah, blah, blah. And it's all about like, look at this product, look at this product. And I, I don't enjoy that kind of content, but at least they're fucking doing it right. At least they're honest. Yeah, at least they are promoting the product they claim they are promoting. Now, it says a lot when you, have, you describe yourself as an influencer and someone who helps brands and products and stuff like that with um, your reach. And you don't even tell people where they can get the thing you're supposedly advertising. Yeah. <laughs> even like the very earliest and worst ads still tell you where you can buy the fucking thing. Yeah. At least tell you, it's so ridiculous. So... So um, the negative backlash eventually led to Darby uploading a YouTube video to respond uh, in which she breaks down from embarrassment, anger, and humiliation. Uh, in the 17-minute video titled I Was Exposed, lol, so embarrassing. I'll add in the lol, that's what she said. Uh, the influencer <laughs> emotionally insists she got in contact with Stenson with nothing but the purest of intentions. As uh, a 22 so, like the purest of intentions is give me free, give me free shit. Yeah. Give me free, give me free stuff. And if you don't and you respond as like most people would have, fuck off. Because I've got a business to run and I'm not in the mind of giving stuff away at free to complete nobodies. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's not the person mentioned. As a 22-year-old girl who's running her own business from her home, I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, and I really don't see a problem with her trying to hustle fucking Universal into yeah. a free nights, like few nights stay. Because fuck it. Like, they're a huge conglomerate company. When it's, oh, let's contact local nice-looking hotel, it's like, oh, no, fuck off. Yeah, well, before we continue, there's this really, really great idea. I've seen it's like an artist. Um, I forget the name. So it's kind of frustrating. But they have a, an amazing breakdown of whenever I get reached out to by shitty influencers and bloggers and also vloggers who are like, oh, I think your stuff's cute. Send me some for free. Yeah, and I'll advertise it. They say, "What I'll do, um, you buy some from me as much as you want." Yeah, and I'll send you a referral link. If ten people, ten people click that link and buy something from my store, I will send you your money back. Oh, okay, yeah. And they say that every time they've ever mentioned this, the the influencer immediately backs off and refuses to talk to them. Of course they do, yeah. Because then, and they're not confident enough that they can convince ten people to click a link and buy something. Mm-hmm. And at that point, are you even an influencer? Yeah. Like, your literal title is influencer, and you're not confident you can influence 10 fucking people out of an audience of supposedly tens of hundreds of thousands. And Maybe as well, you should get like, a different job. Yeah, I find that weird, because I I know, for example, with um, the playthroughs we do on our gameplay channels, mm-hmm. like, I regularly get comments going man, like, you've made me go pick up this game because I remember how fun it is. And we ne- never at any point try to suggest to people, go buy this, you should go play it. Like, we don't push the content, we don't give 
um, promo codes and things like that. And it's like, if you literally have like referral links and have a video intended to sell a product and you and describe you still yourself can't do as it, an influencer. Yeah. And you still can't manage to fucking sell 10 of the products you're claiming that you can sell. It's like, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? And I want that. I want to see that expand to like um, with requests like this. Of can I get a free night stay? Say, pay for the stay, and if you can get us, if we can get bookings, and they put you in the referral code, we'll give you your money back. Yeah. Put you like put literally put your money where your mouth is. If you can do what you say you can do, fucking prove it. And yeah, like if you for can, every, I, become um, tes- I become a testimonial. Yeah, exactly. But for every yeah person that mentions you. In their booking referral, you get like one night stay back paid. Yeah. Just do it something like that. And that's something I'd want to see because every time I've heard of something like that happening, because I do it the same way when I'm contacted by advertisers. Yeah. And they ask me, oh, can we mention us in a video? And I say, no. And mm. I want to do it my way. And if you're so confident in like the quality of your products, you'll let me write my own ad copy? No. Well, clearly you're not as confident as you claim to be. Uh, if it was yep. really good a product as it needed to be, it would, as you say, advertise itself, but it's clearly yeah. not. So Darby also explains, going back to this story, that she didn't know why the hotel owner decided to post her email. Because it was really fucking um, uh, annoying, I guess. I mean, I guess she's annoyed that someone called her out for trying to extort them. Like, that's all it is, really, is I... I got called out for being a massive asshole. Why would you put me out like that? Yeah. It's so, just... well, you're the one being a massive asshole in the first place. If you're not a dickhead, then no it's one like, will call you out. Like, maybe examine your own behaviour. If people's immediate response is to, like, you know, tell you to fuck off. Yeah. Like, maybe there's a reason they're doing that. It says, however, since the 20 year old's heartfelt responsible load, it's not heartfelt. She's just upset she got caught. She yeah. just wants free stuff and didn't get it. Also, as well, how romantic. Yeah, let's go on a weekend away. Who's going to pay for it? Nobody. <laughs> Let's go on a free trip away. I wonder if um, after, you know, getting bounced back from this offer, she then paid out of wallet to go on a very expensive Valentine's trip, or whether she's unwilling to do it off her own back. Now, that'd be what, interesting. To then what the White Moose Cafe did afterwards is they just banned all bloggers from the business. Like, Fair enough. Off. Um, yeah. There's more to this story, so we'll try and find like there's a, a follow up to it. Uh, but it says here that uh, on the White Moose uh, Cafe Snapchat, Spencer mm. said the controversy just puts into question the authenticity of influencer marketing because she would have gladly spoken nicely about the hotel, but only because she was getting it for free. Yeah. The moment she didn't get it for free, suddenly I'm a bad guy. And that's true. It is, yeah. So, like, can you really trust someone's opinion? If they got the thing for free. Well, it's like um, you've often mentioned how anybody that you've, you know, for example, blocked off Twitter will then immediately go on like a tirade of fuck Carl, he's the worst mm-hmm. and fat fiend is awful. And it's like, oh, so you're really, you know, a, a, a fan of my content and wanted to be friends with me until I told you to overstep your boundaries. And now like I'm the fucking enemy. Yeah, and it's, it's the exact same energy um, expressed by the kind of guy who's like, message a girl, you're so beautiful, will you go out with me? No, you're a fucking bitch anyway, I always thought you were ugly. Yeah. Like the exact moment that you don't get your own way, suddenly you lash out aggressively, mm. and they never seem to, in their head, 
put two and two together and make, think that maybe this behavior is the reason no one likes me. It's like, no, yeah. it's everybody else's fault but mine. Uh, but oh like this um, leads into like, that story continue where basically that guy just kept taking the piss. Yeah. And just kept posting more and more stuff, making fun of influencers. And like she was getting really mad about it. But um, <laughs> it led me to stumble across an amazing article by The Atlantic. And amazing just because of the headline, which is Instagram's wannabe stars are driving luxury hotels crazy. <laughs> because any fucker with like 10,000 followers will just be like sending emails and begging messages to like the Hilton and yeah. the Ritz saying, can I stay for free in like a five grand a room night? It's like, fucking no. Yeah. No. Oh, man. It's so just... I don't even know how to describe just the entitlement involved in stuff like that. It was just like, yeah. And it says here, like, some hotels have standardised the process by requiring influencers to fill in application forms for discount or free hotel stays that include their um, uh, total reach. Oh, okay, yeah. And it's just like, yeah. And like, these, some of these are amazing, though, because whenever I see stuff like this, like... I have some degree of a following online. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think we've talked through it before, haven't we? Where there was that girl who spent like her life savings trying to become an influencer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Her pictures that she spent thousands of dollars to to engineer the situation to take the photos were getting like four hundred followers, four hundred <laughs> likes. And it's like my the way I summed it up is it would be easier to just develop a personality, but I guess just keep throwing money out until it sticks. But I'm looking at some of the examples of photos here. Like we have a lady here who got a free stay in a super nice hotel, three and a half thousand likes. Wow. And she got a free stay in a hotel. I reckon I could get more likes than that of a, me, of a picture of me drinking a beer. And I, I have I mean, like a I think of like a, that they do. What? Like I might... Just have a quick look and see how long it takes me to go to like your Instagram and see how many like thousand, three thousand likes you fucking get. I think that photo of me at the fucking woods might have got more than that. But like, the, well, the, the most article. recent picture of you just stood in front of a lake saying having a nice day got nearly three thousand likes in a couple of days, and no one paid me to take that. No, it's just like yeah, literally you just stood. In front of a like going, yeah, I'm having a nice day. And it's like, instead, someone had to fucking give you a free stay in a hotel for you to get three and a half thousand, like 500 extra likes in a lot more of a time, like, time frame as well. Oh man, here's a, here's a breakdown of um, it's crucial, like, basically, like, influencers, because they're fucking morons, mm. don't take good photos. Yeah. Like, for example, they say here, like, yeah, we had one example of a lady who went got a free stay in a hotel and took like a bunch of photos in a bikini on the beach. The problem is that those photos could be anywhere because they don't uh, show off the yeah. hotel. She's just on the beach, but she got a free stay, and that's worthless to the hotel because because no all it is to... is oh well, she was at a beach. Is that okay? But does that sell the hotel in any way? No. Oh my god, this is amazing. Um, so we have. I'm just gonna find the person's name here. It's. Uh, da, 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 da. I just need to find it. I need to find the person's like full name. So. Okay. Uh, Jack Bedwani. So he's a uh, guy who runs the a brand consultancy agency. Yeah. 
Um, he says here that um, he knows of a major brand that flew in a literal plane full of influencers to stay in a hotel to try and like, yeah, okay, we're going to have a, a social media blitz. But okay. they didn't get them to sign forms. So three quarters of the people who turned up never post on Instagram that they went. Oh, no. So they just give them all a free stay, but then didn't tell them, look, if you're staying here, take a lot of photos of the facilities and all the various things you can do. You're welcome to try anything you want. Just post about it. They didn't. So three quarters of the people got a free stay and they never talked about it. What? Like, what is wrong with people? How stupid do you have to see? Because they do not have any investment in your hotel, in your business. Or your success. No, they just want free shit. If they get free shit, that's like the end of it for them. They don't need to do anything anymore. They want it to grow their brand, not yours, because that's the only thing they're interested in. It's like utilising that to get more free shit. Like, it's the most... It's the industry that I can describe as being most like cancer. So you're saying, like, oh, it's like, it's, it's uses the term describes and that's really awful. Mm-hmm. This is because all it does is grow and consume while, like, you know, just replacing anything good with bad. I'm so baffled. Can you imagine, like, if someone paid you X amount of pounds, like a thousand pounds, just say, off the top of my head, Carl, we want you, like, we want to sponsor your video. Here's a thousand pounds. Didn't get you to sign a contract. Didn't ask you to talk about the product. They just went, here's money. We'll sponsor your video, but you have no obligation to mention it. Yeah. It just be like, okay, cool. I'll take the money. That's what happened here, yeah. They brought a literal plane full of influencers in and three quarters of them never post that they went. Yeah, why would you... In that situation, why would you have any incentive to... Other than, you know, moral integrity to then post on that video going, yeah, here's the sponsor. Here's, like, the links. We'll talk about it. It's like... At the end of the day, you got money. That's your end of the deal. Done already. Oh, man, that's so oh, good. Man. It says here that um, uh, the Dusit Thani in the Maldives has all but ceased working with fashion influencers um, after they discovered... <laughs> this is the one where all the... They would come there to take pictures uh, for swimsuit shots. Mm. And they say, like, yeah, people were asking where they could buy the bikinis, not where they could stay. <laughs> so they were looking at these photos like, oh, cool, they took all these photos in our hotel. This must be really good. And every comment is like, where'd you get that bikini? It's really cute. None yeah. of them cared about where the photo was taken because the influencer and the Instagram would not say where they took it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so brutal. Like, just don't work with them. Just, it's not worth it. You don't, no. you get nothing from, unless you're getting someone like Kim Kardashian to advertise yeah. it, because like she has got a proven track record of if she puts something on Instagram, it will sell out instantly because she has a brand and she yeah. has like, I think it's clout, isn't it? Mm-hmm. She actually has that instead of just claiming to have it because she has a dedicated following. And then you get to that point where it's the opposite of, yeah, someone like that has such a following that they can put their name on awful products and they will still sell out and that's the weird like reversal of it of you get someone with the, uh, like a big a name as Kim Kardashian that even that 0.001% of a click through like that El Darby would get even if it's only that amount of people that's when enough for Kim Kardashian to sell out anything regardless of quality 
when it's numbers, and it's great here. Yeah. We can end on a quote from uh, Natalie Zafat, a social media consultant and influencer who's partnered with hotel chains, which is the Marriott and Intercontinental. At the end of the day, most bloggers and influencers are just business people. I mm. would not describe them as business people. Uh, they're bad Actually, business no, people. To be fair, that, that is, I'll take that back. It's the most business person thing I can think of is ruthlessly exploiting someone's goodwill <laughs> for your own gain and then offering nothing in return. Yeah. That is a business person right there. I, I take it back. But like, this is why I think it's great because I, this is why I fucking hate influencers because they, they, they never see the, the forest for the trees of like the, mm. the negative impact they can have. Can you think of any other business industry that would be frowned upon for someone to reach out to a potential client and offer them an opportunity? You'd never see Coca-Cola berate an ad salesperson for calling them up and sharing their rates because that's because Coca-Cola is a fucking massive company with a product to sell that's worth something yeah, and that people want. Like, you're not offering anything beyond I will share it on Instagram. And like, if you can't share hard fucking numbers on what that's going to translate to, it's literally worthless. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, the photos are always so fucking terrible. <laughs> I'm looking at all the examples they've got, and it's like, a woman on a bed. And like, what's that supposed to say to me? I don't know where it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, man. It's like, and I, I can almost imagine that, like, you know, oh, I got a free hotel stay. I doubt every single picture they've taken... Like in the room and everything like that. Examples, you know, of just showing off the hotel. I doubt the description of that is go look at this hotel, it's amazing. It's probably I'm having such a great time. Yeah. It's probably not mentioning the hotel, the product whatever at all. And like it could, but it's just I think of like um it needs to be a concerted effort, at which point, um, like the one selling point you'd have for uh, that kind of advertising, if like the authenticity is washed away, yeah. If you can like the whole reason that influencers can even get these rates and even make these um, uh, um, offers in the first place is that yeah, influencers are seen as people, so they have authenticity and people see them as being trustworthy, mm-hmm. whereas they don't trust businesses. Yeah. But then when you basically just turn it into a corporate plug and become really like just clean and clinical. You lose that, so it's a catch twenty two. Of yeah, we want it yeah. to be professional. I'm a professional, but when it looks professional, then people don't want it because then you lose that authenticity and the human element to it. There is a human element, and I'm sure there is a degree of like um, kind of different levels of trust with influencers. So if you can go, oh well, this influencer I can trust because everything I've seen them promote has been something they think is of good quality and willing like and worth promoting um mm-hmm. you might get that end of it where you go okay well i trust this person but then you can also see the people who clearly take every single like sponsorship opportunity regardless of quality and what they think of the product and go well this person can go fuck themselves they don't give a yeah. shit i've mentioned it before and it's um, a really amazing statistic at least for me and it's really eye-opening um, where I was uh, briefly studying marketing and business, mm-hmm. and specifically the thing that always sticks out in my mind is the effective um, rate of advertising and how effective various kinds of advertising are. And I remember it's a pie chart, 
And this pie chart, this fucking massive chunk of it, is um, word of mouth. Like, yeah. Almost all of it is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. This is the advertising that, in terms of like, in studies and in um, uh, surveys, that people say as being the primary way that, or the most effective way that they would ever be convinced to use a product or a service. Yeah. So basically, me telling you, Lucas, I recommend this thing. Mm-hmm. And then they have in the remaining wedge, like 15 different colors. That's like internet, print, marketing, radio, television. Like yeah. Every other form of advertising is paled in comparison to someone you know just saying, here's a thing I tried. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give it a go? And the interesting thing about that is that included in word of mouth is celebrity endorsement. Yeah. Which is why celebrity endorsement is so fucking massive because... Um, because of a quirk of the way human psychology works, um, we tend to see celebrities or famous people or influencers uh, in the same way we'd see our friends and we trust and listen to their opinions the way we would a friend. Which yeah. is why when you see an influencer saying, I like this thing, um, it can, depending on how authentic and just, I guess, nice that person is and how realistic and true to life their um, online persona is, it yeah. can be seen as being effective an advertising tool as someone you know personally telling you to try the thing. Yeah, and that's because um, we, we mention it a lot, especially during like, streaming, how um, a lot of viewers and a lot of people looking at like news on celebrities and following celebrities on and influencers on like Instagram and stuff, you form that parasocial relationship where mm. it feels to a lot of people like, oh, I'm friends with this celebrity. It's like, you know, you just look at pictures of them. But that's the the weird psychological effect that people have of, yes, I'm I'm friends and I know and can trust this person based on what they want to make publicly available. Hmm. And it's very it's, weird of just, yeah. But um, it's a really strange industry because it it's the oxymoron of it you need to be genuine and yourself, but at the same time to sell a product, you need to be clinical. Yeah. And there needs to be like, uh, you need to be squeaky clean, which, yeah, those two things don't gel well together. Like to sell something and be, like, you need to be authentic and people need to see you as a person and a human with flaws and problems. And like, they need to see, like, you know, the wrinkles and all that to your life. Yeah. But then if you want to sell a product, you can't have any of that. And that's why I find it so odd that um, so many sponsorship deals are based on ad reads. Yeah, which is I have rallied against before. Like it's so fucking like you're sponsoring my content because my audience likes the way my content's done, but you won't let me be myself in the ad read. Yeah, and it's yeah. weird because as soon as I listen to a lot of podcasts, and as soon as I hear the start of an ad read, I, I zone out. It's just gone. I have no attention span to the words they are saying the the pr gargle that they are spouting and the moment that ends and they go back to a normal conversation it's like oh cool i'm listening again and it's strange and i've expressed confusion (laughs) sheer bafflement that advertisers don't seem to get this yet despite spending literally millions and millions of dollars trying to figure out how to capitalize on influencers and on instagram and youtube and put internet personalities as a whole yeah, and they've never come to realization that the reason that these figures are popular is because they are themselves, mm-hmm. and it's a lot easier to um, uh, like empathize and just 
find yourself attaching or become attached to someone when they don't have that i guess that veneer that a lot of more established and legacy celeb- uh, celebrities in legacy industries have yeah yeah, yeah. where there's, just, there's a barrier separating the two mm. for better or worse like you said they form parasocial relationships with these people and that um, can be exploited for monetary gain yeah of course yeah and, it is. Oh, and it's it awful. is. But I do find it so bizarre that I'd much rather see, you know, someone on Instagram or Twitter or something post a picture and go, look, I've I've picked up or been sent this product and I find it really cool than them having a video of here's 60 seconds of just a wall of text I have to read without any personality. Yeah, it's just not great, is it? And, uh, no. We can call it there because, man... That's depressing to think about. And I hope that all the audience members are like, man, I really do hate when that happens. Mm-hmm. At oh, least God. they can be thankful that advertisers, for the most part, are really shit at exploiting the, <laughs> yeah. um, the emotional attachment you have to internet creators. Because the moment they realize, shit, yeah, if we let them be themselves, we can get people on the hook. Because mm-hmm. at the moment we allow them to like break down that professional just completely corporate veneer, we're done. That's it. People's wallets, it's not safe anymore. But thankfully, yeah. so many businesses are so terrified of ever going off message. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's unlikely to happen for a while. But um, since we're coming to a close, I guess, speaking of um, soulless corporate marketing, <laughs> uh, anything you'd like to promote? Uh, yeah, I'll do my you know standard ad read now of um, go and... I guess watch my stuff on YouTube and Twitch at Legend of Kanto if you're interested. Yeah, you can go uh, and watch. Yeah, Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, yes, yeah, so I've what I guess at the moment I've got a couple of playthroughs just ending, um, but we are playing through like Breath of the Wild, Ghost of Tsushima, and Resident Evil Four, and there's a couple more uh, fun new playthroughs on the horizon as well. Uh huh. Sorry, I was just responding to a message. So I realised I'm on Instagram, and I'm supposed to be. There's um, a friend of mine. I was like, oh, I want to do an interview uh, for university about how the internet changes patterns of speech, and it seems like okay. perfect for you. And there's message me. Oh, I've seen you on Discord. Do you want to? Can we talk about it now? I'm like, I kind of can't because I'm still recording. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel really bad. Oh well, uh, I'm sure you'll be able to talk to them soon. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure I could talk about that next week. But it's the stuff when you think of. And the only thing I'm going to promote is go Google, go into YouTube, and type in Ducks and I like bowl of peas. Oh man, yeah, do it. It's like it is the best thing. Do you know what? If at the end, if those at the end, it just said like go to Orlando Studios, Florida, even though that has nothing to do with Orlando Studios, <laughs> Florida, I'd be tempted. Like, I'm curious to go just because they had the balls to sponsor this. Yeah, like, yeah. I would like. I don't get why companies don't do that. Why not just slap your name at the end of a 30-second video of a dog being really cute? Yeah. Um, like, so the one channel I think does it right is Great Big Story, where they do five-minute documentaries, really well-researched, well-written um, documentaries about interesting subjects. And they just... Companies will sometimes just give them money and say, just go research something cool. And they'll say, yeah. this video was brought to you by this company. And then the video has nothing to do with the product. Mm-hmm. But that it's like this video was brought to you by this. And the other one I remember is when, uh, and I want this to come back because DLC is getting worse, is in the early days of DLC, uh, the Discovery Channel uh, paid Microsoft, if you remember this, uh, 
a couple of a couple hundred thousand dollars to pre-buy Gears of War DLC. Oh so, man! People logging into Gears of War got free weapon DLC from the Discovery Channel, <laughs> and it was like, oh, um, this DLC was going to be like paid, but the Discovery Channel have paid for it for you instead. Yeah, because it was like so, a free map, wasn't there? Yeah, it was a free map paid for by the Discovery Channel. Yeah. I and remember it was that just now. like everyone who logged in to Gears of War of like, oh yeah, um, the, just Discovery Channel's new show, I think like Future Weapons or something like that. Yeah, they yeah. paid for this DLC. They paid for the <laughs> development of DLC. That has yeah. nothing to do with the product. But 10 years later, I remember that because I remember playing Gears of War. Oh, the Discovery Channel just gave me a new map. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's play the new map. So I want to start doing that. Oh, God. That would be a lot better than uh, just I, loot that, boxes everywhere. Well, that replaced, they should do that to replace DLC. That'd be instead awesome. Of char- instead of charging extra for it, just go to companies and go, okay, Grand Theft Auto has sold 100 million copies. We want to <laughs> make a new piece of DLC. Who wants to sponsor it? Yeah. Who wants their logo on the fucking splash page? Uh, made <laughs> possible by... Yeah. Boom. But alas, no, we're not going to have that. We're just going to have millions of loot boxes. We're not going to have any more. We're not going to have Gears of War map packs paid for by Discovery Channel, which is an amazing sentence. I wish I could say about more things. (laughs) Cat.